Excellent, thank you. Uh, it's really a, a, a treat to be here with you guys. There's so many folks in this room that have been uh, teachers for me and mentors for me. So if I say something smart, it's all on you. If, if I say something stupid, I, I'm still learning and I'll get better and we'll work together. But um, I am Bud Hunt. For the last 13 years, I was with the St. Rain Valley School District. Uh, that was a, a lot of fun. I started there as a high school language arts teacher. Um, like Jeff, I, uh, I ended up figuring out how some laptops worked. And I had the first wireless access point, I think, in the district in my classroom. And I, I complained so much to the tech people that they eventually said, why don't you come with us and help us figure out how to do uh, infrastructure and things. And I spent uh, several years on the tech department, was uh, traded to the curriculum department, as school districts often are trying to figure out. Those teachers who are nerdy, do they live in curriculum? Do they live in professional development? Do they live in IT? And the answer is yes, they should live in all of those places. Um, but I'm, I'm hoping that I can tell you or start a little story. Um, I knew a guy, uh, I was reading about him, his name was Walter. And he, uh, <laughs> smart dude, he's at Teachers College. Uh, you guys heard of that school, pretty good? Little, nice little school. Um, he, he was really, really captivated by a device that was handed to him one day. He was in a public library. Uh, I like public libraries, I like them so much I went to work for one. Um, but he, he was handed this device and he, he said, wow, this changes everything. I now have access to so much information. At your table, will you take a second and guess the name of the device that he was handed? Take just a second. He was handed a device. He says it was about four inches by about two inches by about three inches. What was he handed? Talk at your tables. What changed Walter's world? What device was <laughs> All right, shout out what you think. What's the device? Fits in the hand, changes the world. The cell phone. What else? A calculator. Yeah, maybe. What else? Palm Pilot. How many of you brought your Palm Pilots today? <laughs> No? You're embarrassed to raise your hands now, but I know there's at least one in this room. Anyone else? iPod. iPod, yeah. Any others? A pocket dictionary. A pocket dictionary. Ooh, like the paper one? Yeah. What else? A Newton. A little bit bigger than that. Did you guys remember the Newton? That was Apple's first swing at an iPad. Apple misses sometimes, badly. Badly. Um, in this particular case, it was that, the little thing at the end, that's microfilm. It was 1939. I want to start today to say that every time something new comes along, everybody goes, look at this great new thing. It will change everything. In the same piece where he talks about discovering the power of microfilm and how a student could literally carry all of the world's information in their vest pocket in 1939. He lamented, or he, he expressed excitement over uh, the coming of television, because that was new experimental, like, wow, that thing could be good. The success of movies as educational devices, and his eagerness to see the true potential of radio finally uncovered in the classroom. Again and again, we get stuck on the thing. We get excited about the thing, and then we forget the thing that the thing's supposed to help us do, or we expect the thing is just not quite ready to do the thing we want it to. And we've been doing that as people for about as long as we've been making things. Uh, some colleagues of mine and I wrote about this uh, and, and did a, an exhaustive search in English Journal a couple years back. Um, 
We looked at every instance of technology mentioned in English Journal over 100 years. We did it for their 100th anniversary thing. It took us a while. Thankfully, we had PDFs uh, and Google searches and, and meta-analysis tools. But uh, we don't have time for me to tell you everything, so I'll just give you the TLDR version. Uh, some of you in the room who are nerdy know what that means. Some of you who aren't need to know that it means too long to read. If you see that on the internet, it means you're about to get a summary. The summary of that whole exploration was this. Despite all the cultural and technological changes in the types of texts we're able to produce and consume, the revolutionary predictions we've made, not much has really changed in the teaching of English over the past 100 years. Again and again, we saw, well, when TV comes, well, when radio comes, well, when microfiche comes. We're hearing it now with, I don't know, you guys hear the internet? Here it's pretty good. Got like two, 300 sites on it. I've got hope for the internet. But um, the TLDR uh, non-academic version of that is things don't have to be like they are, but they usually stay that way. The only thing between us doing it differently is the decision to actually do it. You've made a pledge. I'm hoping that over the next two days you're going to dig in and make the signing of a name or the fired up and checking of a box mean uh, that you're going to throw down a gauntlet, right? This is our moment. You guys ever actually have a gauntlet and throw it down? It's very satisfying. You get kicked out of the museum, but it feels good, okay? I'm hoping that at least some of the folks in this room are going to throw down that gauntlet, metaphorically or physically. There is a library around the corner that do, well, never mind, don't do that. Um, but I hope you're more like the actual kid president quote here. You guys know kid president? Incredible. He had a graduation speech out last weekend. It was great. He said, I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings or make you feel bad, but I'm pretty sure school's never over. That was a good line, but this is pretty good too. Things don't have to be like they are. This is my backdrop on my computer every morning when I get into work. I see, you know what we've got? It's not what I want yet. It doesn't have to be this way, okay? Um, I'm hoping to talk with you about these four things. Whoops. I also managed to break my pointer about 90 seconds before I started. But I'm hoping to talk to you about these four things. And I hope to do it quickly because I am doing sitting gate right now. I'm sorry. Okay. Habits, agency, culture, and interfaces. This is how change, I think, happens. Okay, real quick, you guys all know what habits are? I'm in a new job, it's exciting and it's wonderful. For 13 years, I went to the same places and did the same things. I am, according to science, in the best place of my life to change bad habits because I'm not going to old places and doing the same things. If you want to create new habits in a learning institution, you have to stop going to the same old places and doing the same old things. Um, Uh-oh. So habits are developed through repetition and they're acquired over time. My colleague is uh, saying hi real quick, which was sweet of her, but uh, we're busy at the moment. Um, the reason why I bring up habits in this conversation is that I find that oftentimes learning is, is thought of in terms of experiences. We took the kids to the farm. They learned everything there was to know about farming. We took the kids to the museum. Now they're experts on history. We had a writing activity. The kids can write now. It's not quite how it works, right? We build habits over long periods of time. And we're thinking about some of the things that are in the pledge, and we're gonna look at them in a minute. They are not experiences to check off. They are habits to cultivate. Okay. Um, we learned a lot about habit formation in a project that my colleague Michelle Bourgeois and I did in St. Greg's called the Digital Learning Collaborative. It was a long PD experience. And what we tried to do 
over the course of two years was to give folks one year, and folks in this case were teachers, to play with new technology before we asked them to implement it in their classroom. Because if we wanted them to change their practice, we actually had to change their habits. So what we did is we said, here's some stuff. Go play with this stuff. Don't teach this stuff. Don't do it in the school. Don't just enjoy it, explore it, fiddle with it. Now, have you ever met a teacher that doesn't implement something they're excited about in the classroom? Well, we said, back off, take a minute, wait, okay? Try it out. And for a year they played and created some new habits. Along the way, we realized that some of those successful teachers had what I hope you're hoping, one of the things that I think is really important to cultivate here, which is agency. The capability of an autonomous enemy to entity to act by itself. Um, in schools, have you ever noticed the kids who wait for instructions before they do anything? Have you ever noticed the staff members in your buildings who wait for instructions before they do anything? Are you the person who waits for instructions before you do anything? Okay. What we've noticed in our work, and I've noticed it in school districts I've worked with, is that a lot of people have been told to do and not to do so many times that they have stopped thinking about what to do and are waiting for you to tell them. That is a habit of a lot of successful people in organizations. Wait for instructions, comply with instructions, execute. I don't think future ready schools are about that. I think they're about kids and grown-ups having agency. And we were trying to cultivate some agency, and in my work, the best way to think about and play with and talk about this is in thinking about making STEM into agency really well, right? Here's all of the problems that need to be solved. Go solve them. Well, what's the answer? Nobody knows. Literally, nobody knows the answer to this problem. Go figure it out. Helping kids to cultivate this is really, really important. Um, and the way you do that is by creating great culture, right? Your organization should, should cultivate good habits and strong agency. Um, do you guys like to look at signs when you go places? I do. Everywhere I go, I'm really interested in signage. This is a sign at the art museum. I learned a lot about the art museum just by that sign. I was supposed to engage and enjoy it, delight and stuff. This is a sign at an elementary school in the school district they used to work in. Okay. Learned something about that place, too. Um, here's a cafeteria sign that tells me a lot about what I can and can't do at that school and how the cafeteria people feel about me as a person. Can you read it? It's a little hard to see. Must have a tray with a fruit. Must pay for the salad bar. It's not free. No throwing the food. Be respectful. Okay. Do you feel respected in that place? Is that a mismatch of intent and, <laughs> and messaging? Um, you know, sometimes the signage and the cultures are, are about care. I, uh, I sat in on an administrative meeting right before I left St. Brain, and uh, our, our superintendent was here in the room, Dr. Dad, smart dude, loved working with him. Um, he, he was in the middle of testing and a bunch of other things, and he took folks, uh, and, and everybody was there, and he spent 10 to 15 minutes explaining why it was important that we care for each other as people. And he reminded us that that was important. That was setting the culture that was way more important than the urgent stuff that had to get done. He, as a leader, just sort of said, you know what, this is important. You know what's more important? Care and concern for folks. I thought that was really great. I thought that was really important. And that's the type of leadership that, that you guys are saying that you're into and that many of you are exemplifying every day. Um, sometimes people have fun with this. Uh, the, same, uh, the same people that think, you know, take what you need, love and care and concern. Uh, also make, make fun of 
such messages. It's fun to be playful. It's fun to have fun, right? Uh, this is Michelle and Joe. You should talk to Michelle and Joe about this uh, later. This is, a, this is a moment of very intense personal learning, right? Can you tell that this is an important learning experience? Take your time. Embrace it. Ask them about it later. What they were trying to do is to create a culture where folks could have a little fun and talk to each other and get a little unnervous. It worked really well. Um, the thing about vision, and this is the thing about pledges like this and leadership moments like these, is that you can't uh, help people act on a vision if they don't know what it is. So good signs are important. And as you're planning, I hope you're thinking about that. And I also hope you're thinking about interfaces. This is as nerdy as I'm going to get today. Okay? But you know what an interface is? How many of you are IT-ish technical people? Okay. Most of you not so much. Interfaces are the boundaries between two things, right? It's how your computer talks to your printer. It's how your server talks to your network. It's how sometimes your credit card thing talks to the parent who owes you money, you know? Interfaces matter because they're where culture is exchanged. They're where information is exchanged and they're where ideas are exchanged. And I think they matter a great deal. But I think a lot of times in schools we expect or imagine or pretend that our interfaces are one way. The school is doing this to the kid. The, the teacher is doing this in the classroom. The leadership will push this down to the teacher. The teacher will push it down to the child. It's why we say we deliver education so often. That phrase bugs the snot out of me. We don't deliver anything to anybody. We create opportunities and experiences for stuff to happen. And we do it through the habits we cultivate. We do it through the culture that we generate. And we do it through the interfaces that allow stuff to mingle. Uh, John Dewey said that you can't really talk about education as social unless you've ever thought about what social means. Uh, I hope that you're thinking, and you all came here with these ideas, and you're going to flesh them out. What kind of society do we want? Because that's what kind of schools we want. And that's what kind of future that we want to see. Okay? Um, eh, I'll skip the nerdy platform stuff. But if, let's take a second and look at this, this pledge. Um, I've noticed in my life that many people sign things and then go and read them. Has that ever happened to you? I know it didn't happen in this context, because there's actually some really good language in here, and there's a lot to unpack, okay? But I hope that over the next few days, or the next couple of days, that you dig into these words and think about what they actually mean for your district and for your context. There's some high-laden baggage words in here. Openly licensed materials and teaching plans sounds delightful. What does that mean when I have a book room, and I have $20 to spend on curriculum this year, and I have, and I have, and I don't have, and oh, devices. I know I'm not supposed to talk about devices, but devices are kind of important, except that they're not, so long as you think about it in the context of this other stuff. Um, the thing that I think about computers that's most important is that they are machines, and they only do what we ask them to do. One of my favorite teachers says that computers can be really useful when they help you communicate in caring ways with each other. This is Fred Rogers. Uh, in one of the only times he's ever talked about modern technology, although he did play with tape recorders, and if you have access to YouTube later, not right now, you should do a Google search for Fred Rogers and remixing. You will enjoy what you find. Play it loudly at the reception, and people will dance. Um, whatever devices you have in your capacity or in your organization or situation, I hope you're thinking hard about what they're for. Um, are you concerned about online and offline? Are you concerned about digital versus paper? Cursive versus typed? How many of you come in here with really strong, like, let's duke it out, cursive versus typed people? There must not be a lot of elementary teachers in this room. 
or the lack of coffee has kept you down. Okay? Public versus private, new versus old, sage versus guide. That's a metaphor that really should just go. But how many of you would fight to the death on the sage? How many of you would fight to the death on the guy on the side? Take your time. Nobody? No? Okay. Textbook versus website? Whatever your fights are. <laughs> Any of you chance people? Any of you sharks people? Never mind. Um, so many of these conversations come down to this. Either or. Can I give you like 90 seconds of nerd? Please? Okay. Digital. Do you know what digital languages are? It's a weird question. They're a sequence of on and off messages. Yes or no, right? Digital is exactly the thing that we're here to talk about, except that it's exactly the wrong metaphor for what we need to be talking about and how we need to be talking about it. Okay? There is no, no good fight in the world in education that's as simple as this, not that. That, not this. Okay? What we need in this conversation and what we need in our classrooms and what we need from our teachers and what we need from you as you're hashing out plans is a consideration of this. Not the fries. These are sliders. I'm sorry. Better? These are sliders. Okay? You know what a slider is? You ever work soundboard? You ever get in trouble because you didn't work the soundboard? You ever walk by the soundboard at just the right time and knock on the light down? Maybe I'm oversharing. Um, all of these issues, metaphorically, can come down to issues of sliding. Okay? If you really need a visual, there's my daughter Tegan playing with a slider that she built the other day. Analog signals are awesome because they allow you to make subtle changes and work across a spectrum or a range of answers to problems. There is no clear problem that you will face in the next two days that's either yes or no. And I hope that you'll think very hard about sliders in your work, in your habits, in your agency, and where you're cultivating it, in the cultures that you're building, and in your interfaces that you have access to and that you're creating. At your table, take a second. Think about a place where you are working to make sure that you have a good range of answers for a hard question. What are the interfaces that slide and that you can play with in your classroom right now? Take a minute at your table, talk a little bit to each other. I'm hoping we're activating a little bit of stuff here. Let me give you a second question to talk about at your table. What are the habits that you want to promote in your learners? What are the good habits that you want to see in your school? Maybe you've already got them, maybe you don't. Talk about habits at your table. You are starting to have good conversation, and that's great. And so my job is to interrupt it, because that's what we do, right? So that you'll have more. Do you guys know Ernest Hemingway's philosophy on writing? Well, right, right, right. Actually, was drink and drink and drink. But that wasn't his philosophy on writing. His philosophy on writing was know what he was going to write about when he quit, so that he'd have more to say later. That's why I'm interrupting you right now. Okay. Um, there are other questions here, but I just want to reiterate before I, I point you at them and then wrap up. Um, when I said learners, I hope you thought students, but I also hope you thought teachers, and I hope you thought grown-ups who aren't teachers, and I hope you thought about the people who love on our kids, like our bus drivers and our, and our 
cafeteria folks, the other folks who are involved in that learning culture in your schools. I also hope you thought about yourselves and each other, your colleagues as leaders. One of the things that I've noticed as, as I've worked with schools and districts around the country is that so often we're thinking about other, like providing for other folks, but we don't think about providing for ourselves as well. And it's really important that as you're thinking about habits and culture along these future ready pledges, that you're considering what changes you have to make and what stuff you have to stop doing and what knowledge and experiences that you need as leadership teams and how you're gonna provide for those. Those are very important for you. I also hope you're thinking about your interfaces, and I don't mean if you're buying iPads or Chromebooks, but I mean what are the two-way exchanges of healthy information in your communities? How are you interfacing with the parents? How are parents able to interface with you? What about the organizations that are in your community that are working really hard to do this as well? I'm uh, now in a public library. I've been talking to the schools up where I live. Uh, the schools there invested very heavily in Chromebooks as a technology. The public library, until 10 days ago, had never had or seen or heard of a Chromebook before. We are literally, I could throw a rock, well, not quite literally, and hit the, well, I can throw a rock and hit the elementary school, which is across our campus. I have to go a half mile to find the middle and the high school where there's about 2,000 kids. We didn't have common knowledge or, or thinking about what each other's technology environments were. So first thing I did in that building is I bought half a dozen Chromebooks and said, here, try this out, check this out. This is what the kids who come in here every day after school are playing with at school. What should we play with here? How can we help? What can we do to interface better between the public and the schools? Um, and then how are you modeling and living uh, those experiences yourselves, right? Um, if you're building a constraint for your schools that says, we don't believe in this because of that, but then you go back to your office and you do it completely differently because you're not there, hmm, I'm not gonna say anything else about that except hmm. Um, <laughs> I'll close with this. This is, this is the, uh, the, the thing that I think has gotten to me about all of the technology that I've seen and all of the conversations. Typically, and, and we looked at English Journal, I've seen this in the public media. I usually see it right after an Apple keynote or a Google keynote, and there were some of those in the last two weeks and I saw it again. This great thing comes out, or this new thing is available to us, right? Think about all the new things. And then the end of the article, or the end of the summary, or the end of somebody's comment was, yeah, but until it does X, well, it'll be better in the next version when it does, right? Radio's pretty good, but man, when we have moving pictures. Well, we've got moving pictures, but there's only three channels. Well, we've got moving pictures, but these bulky videotapes. As soon as, as soon, like, that thinking has permeated so much of what we do and don't do with technology. My charge to you, my commission to you, my push to you as you act, enact these pledges and work on these plans, and I love plans, is to stop waiting for tomorrow's stuff. So as you're planning about what you're gonna build and what you're gonna make later, don't forget to start doing what you can do now, okay? Um, my favorite thing that I've ever seen a teacher say to a child, this is a kindergarten classroom in our class, in our school district. Um, I, this is on my Twitter profile so that I see it every day too. The expectations that we set for ourselves and each other will dictate however successful or unsuccessful we will be. My teacher thought I was smarter than I was, so I was. I believe in you. All of the organizations around Future Ready believe in you in this work. It's hard work, it's messy work, it's frustrating work, and no one will high-five you when you're done with it, but it is important, it is worth doing, and I'm so glad that you're spending the next couple of days doing that well. If I can be of use to you, 
I, I, I hope to be. Thank you guys for your time today. Thank you.